0: It's your host, Nicole, here with a very special episode of the Students Beyond Borders podcast. Earlier this month, three USAC alumni shared their stories on our Black and Abroad panel as part of our Global Perspectives panel series. They discussed navigating cultural differences abroad, finding their way despite a lack of resources or support, and how study abroad impacted their identities as people of color. And today, we're sharing that panel with you. Ready? Let's go.
1: Welcome to the session. On behalf of the University Studies Abroad Consortium, or USAC, I'd like to welcome you to our 40th anniversary year. USAC has inspired more than 60,000 students to travel abroad, building their cross-cultural empathy and encouraging them to fearlessly explore not only who they are, but their place in a global society. That's 60,000 more people in our world who have gained critical social tools that build bridges, connecting shared experiences, and compassion. We're excited that you're here with us as we launch this milestone year with such an important discussion. Today's interactive panel discussion will feature the experiences of three black USAC alumni who studied abroad in India, South Korea, and Thailand. As part of today's panel, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips from three amazing students and the co-moderator for today's session. My USAC colleague, Nadine Black, will be moderating today's discussion. USAC's vision is to help create a world where differences are respected and appreciated. And today's discussion continues to capture our commitment to this vision. In fact, today's discussion is part of a series of career and cultural workshops that we offer each term. As part of our workshops, panel discussions, and in-person and virtual study abroad opportunities, our aim is to highlight experiences and stories that are authentic, diverse, and impactful. After we introduce everyone on the panel, we'll start with some initial questions. We encourage you, the participants, to engage and make the most of today's panel. And this includes our panelists as well. Feel free to jump in if you have something to add to the discussion. Audience members, if you have specific questions, please post them in the chat. At the end, you'll also be invited to use the hand icon to raise your hand. If we see a question in the chat or your hand raised, we'll give you the space to ask your question at that time. We would also like to respectfully invite all in attendance today to optionally share your pronouns. My name is Amber Aiton, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm USAC's Alumni and Donor Relations Officer. And I am thrilled to be hosting today because USAC is a massive network of alumni spread from coast to coast and across the world. Tapping into this global network is just one of the many benefits of USAC, including tapping into USAC alum and my co-moderator today, Nadine Black. Hello, my
2: name is Nadine and my pronouns are she, her. I am a USAC program advisor and advise on all of our Spain programs. I'm also a USAC Poe France alum on a year-long program in 2012 and 13. I graduated from the University of Nevada with my bachelor's in French and journalism and more recently received my master's in international education, where I focused my research on study abroad programs for students of color. I'm very excited to be here and thank you all for joining. Amber will now introduce our panelists.
1: Thank you, Nadine. Yes, I will now briefly introduce our amazing USAC alum. First, we have Oren Delphin. Oren is currently in her second year at Creighton University in its doctoral program for occupational therapy. She received her undergraduate degree in healthcare management from the University of Alabama at Birmingham and spent a semester abroad with USAC in Bangalore, India. Oren is passionate about her study abroad experience, and how it helped shape her life. She credits the program for showing her a new sense of independence, and what it feels like to be present and embrace the beauty that exists within the unplanned and unknown.
3: Hi everyone, Um, my pronouns are she, her,
1: and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Next we have Cynthia Johnson. Cynthia is currently working in the localization and translation industry where she coordinates linguistic validation projects and primarily works with Korean linguists. She recently graduated from the University of Texas at Arlington with a BA in Critical Language and International Studies Korean. Upon spending a year in South Korea through USAC, she gained a passion for cultural awareness and strives to better understand the role of identity in the travel experience.
4: Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. My pronouns are she, her as well, and yeah, I am excited to be here.
1: Thank you. And finally, we have Ami King. Ami caught the travel bug when he left the U.S. for the first time and studied abroad with USAC in 2019 in Chiang Mai, Thailand. A year later, he followed his intuition and left the U.S. at the age of 23, which has taken him on an adventure in five different countries in Latin America. Ecuador, Colombia, Peru, Costa Rica, and Mexico are all places he has called home where he has intentionally connected to Afro-Latin communities, learned Spanish, and ethically learned about the culture and history. Ami documents his journey on his YouTube channel, Ami's Adventures, which has over 80,000 views. On his channel Ami talks everything from dating liberation food and queer lifestyle which are all connected to his adventures around the world while Ami has faced a lot as a young expat his perspectives bring a refreshing and vulnerable perspective of what it's like to travel and live abroad as a young black queer trans man whether you hold the same identities or not He gives us a snapshot of what is possible when we show up as our authentic selves and listen to our intuition. Thank you for those
2: introductions, Amber. As we pointed out before, our aim is to have a meaningful dialogue today. We have prepared a few questions to start, but feel free to add your questions to the chat at any time, and we'll provide space at the end if you would like to directly ask questions to the panelists. And so, to get started, I'm going to jump in and ask Ami our first question. Can you describe your study abroad decision-making process and how, if at all, was your program location influenced by your racial identity?
5: Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. My pronouns are he, him, and yes, let's get into this. So I like a lot of people laugh at me, but I definitely went into my decision to study abroad. Definitely going into it was a business transaction for me. Just to give context, during this time when I was an undergrad, I was working anywhere from one to three jobs at a time. I was in school full-time, I was taking summer classes, and I actually met with my advisor, and she was like, You know, you should study abroad. I'm like, I don't have time to study abroad. I got to graduate. I got to work. I have all these things going on. I can't do that. And she's like, well, I think it's an opportunity where you can still graduate on time, blah, 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 blah. So I was for sure I met with her. She printed out all the places I could possibly go that would fit into my schedule as far as graduating on time and stuff like that. And... That really, like looking at each place that was possible and looking at everything really is what led me to my decision to go to Thailand because number one, it was a place that was low cost of living because finances was a big concern for me. And number two, I wanted to experience something new and something that I can immerse myself in. I can immerse myself into a culture that was outside of my comfort zone, so
1: yeah.
2: Thank you. And Cynthia, same question. Can you describe your study abroad decision making process and was your program location choice influenced by your racial identity?
4: Yeah, so like Ami said, her decision was kind of a business decision and I was kind of in a similar situation. I was doing a work study for the Office of Study Abroad at my university. And like three days a week, I was talking to students about study abroad programs and what would be best for them, the options that we had for them to go abroad. And eventually I kind of realized that studying abroad was actually cheaper than studying in Texas because I was an out-of-state student. I'm originally from South Carolina and it was very expensive my freshman year. And looking at the price to study abroad in Korea, which, which is a country that I consider to be my second home, it was a decision that I didn't have to think twice about. And as far as racial identity goes, I had studied in Korea before I decided to study abroad in 2016. And back then, I remember that people were genuinely curious just because I was Black. And that was something that I thought Um, was interesting. It was a really good experience being able to change people's preconceived conceptions about what Black is. And so every time I go abroad, that is something that I take with me. And yeah, that was part of the decision that I made to study abroad.
2: Thank you. Oren, next question is for you. Why did you choose your USAC program? And prior to departure, did you research stereotypes about your identity in the country that you selected?
3: Alrighty, so to answer the first question, India really came to me kind of, I'm going to say, as a divine intervention <laughs> um, because I went to my on campus rep and I was like, yeah, I think I want to study abroad in blank. And so, like Cynthia, we looked at the finances <laughs> for that and I was like, that costs more than my out of state tuition. And then she was like, oh, well, you're interested in public health and, you know, India would be a great opportunity. I was like, I never thought about that, but sure, why not? And that's really what got the ball rolling and how you you apply for your visa, you apply for the program, and that's how everything started. And to enter the second part of that, I absolutely did not look up anything prior to going to India because I definitely take on the anxieties of situations around me. And I was already a little nervous about studying abroad because I only was three hours away from home via car versus being a 20 hour plane ride from home. So to not heighten the anxieties I already had about being away, I did not. I just kind of wanted to go into it with a blank slate and embrace it for what it was going to be.
2: That's great, I love that. Cynthia, did you do any research into South Korea before you went abroad and why did you choose South Korea? Mm -hmm.
4: So uh, similar to Oren, I did not do any research And that was solely because I had already been to South Korea. I studied Korean culture. That's what I do. I study the language. And so I was kind of familiar with what the experience would be like for me. So I didn't do any research. But as far as choosing my specific program, I definitely chose Gwangju because it was a city that I had never been before. The first time I had went to Korea, I definitely just studied in Seoul. I wasn't allowed to leave Seoul. And so going back my second time, I wanted to be in a place that was less touched by foreigners, I would say, something that would be more of like a raw experience. And yeah, I can say that I definitely do not regret that decision.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Ami, this next question is for you. What did support look like for you? And in what ways did your family, friends, home university and USAC support
5: you before you departed? That's a great question. As far as what support looked like for me, definitely, recruiting support from some of my friends. At the time I was working in Res Life as an RA, so shout out to anyone, that's an RACA type of thing now. So my Res Life staff was definitely supportive. And then as far as USAC, definitely the scholarship coordinator, I'm probably butchering these names, and my program coordinator, definitely were two instrumental people as far as support for me. When it comes to family, I think it's important to touch on like, for me, I was the first person in my family to even have a US passport so traveling and leaving the country was definitely something that not was in the scope of a lot of people that i was close to so a lot of my family didn't understand and not to say they didn't support it but they didn't want me to go because they didn't perceive or they couldn't really understand like why are you leaving the us us you know we are told like us is the best place to be so i would say i definitely had to rely on my friends and other supports and those times when my family was questioning things and stuff like that and like why are you doing this? So that's what support look, look like for me before I departed.
2: Thank you. Oren, can you talk a little bit about what support looked like for you? Of course, so
3: my family is very supportive. I actually saw my cousin's name <laughs> walk on for this as well. So it was <laughs> there to say the least they are very supportive, but that didn't come without the anxieties of my parents and um, grandparents as well because my Grandmother recently told me that she prays my trips get canceled when I decide to try to go somewhere. And it's not out of, like, spite. It's just, you know, she's concerned for my safety, and I get that. But all in all, they were very supportive. We had a minor celebration because I left in January. So at Christmas, they made a big deal about it, and it was really sweet. And then about after I kind of got acclimated and maybe halfway through my trip, kind of towards the end, my cousin... One of my great uncles and my parents came to visit me, and I know that they were super proud, even though they were a little nervous with me leaving. I know that they were super proud, and they supported me throughout. I'd be going to bed, and I called my dad, and he'd be at work because of the time difference. So they were always there for me from afar.
2: That's great. Having that family support can can really be helpful. I think one other avenue of support is always alum. So for those of you on the panel who are new to study abroad, reaching out to alumni is always a great way to get that support and get an idea of what, what your program city is like. So on that note, we're gonna kind of shift these questions now to your experience abroad. And I'm going to ask Cynthia the first question. Can you share one of your proudest accomplishments from your study abroad experience?
4: Yes. So I would say that my proudest accomplishment was probably being able to gain as many friends from other countries. I really didn't think I was able to do that. The first time I went to Korea, I solely spoke English. I solely talked to Americans and me going and wanting to improve linguistically, that was not a good choice that I made back then. And so going in the second time, I was really happy that I made a lot of Korean friends that I interacted more with the local community. I will say a lot of my friends were actually from Indonesia. And so another accomplishment to add to that was I gained a lot of new interests that I didn't have before going on the program. And so now I've kind of studied, up, I started studying a little bit um, of Indonesian. I'm trying to venture out to other countries. I've been to Korea five times now. So yeah, I'm just kind of happy that I broadened um, my horizons.
2: Great. That's great. And Oren, can you share one of your proudest accomplishments from your study abroad experience? I
3: think by far the one that sticks with me in the most vivid. Memory was we had the opportunity to volunteer through one of our classes that we were taking through our USAC program and we opted myself and one of my peers opted to volunteer in a daycare and while we were there, we decided we were going to paint the daycare, but to take it just a step further and like with me, I'm an occupational therapy school, so any opportunity for occupation is <laughs> a genuine plug. So we were able to get a chalk chalk paint to make a chalk wall around the bottom of their classrooms so they could like, you know, practice handwriting or merge themselves in creativity. And it was just, it was something so special because we had the opportunity to do that, but the joy that we had from just visiting those kids and their just genuine happiness, you know, kids just have that pure smile and aura around them. So just to give something back to them because of the beauty we saw with being with them was the best, so.
2: That's so beautiful, leaving a long-lasting impact. I love that. Ami, this next question is for you. What was one of the most dis- difficult aspects of studying abroad as a Black person, and how did you conquer this challenge? So I think
5: for me, I had to, so I guess moving back. So I went. I graduated from University of Nevada Arena, which was a PWI. So I had some experience in kind of feeling like one of very like few black people in the space because of that. But when I went to study abroad, like during the first part of my program, like the first half, I was the only black person in the program. And so I feel like one of the most difficult things was sometimes as I was, you know, still young, trying to figure out what it means to me to be black and like how that feels and everything like that and dissecting that within a foreign country, within all these other things. I felt like it was really difficult at times because I had to go through this process of like thinking, do I belong here? Like, I didn't feel like I belong. So I guess one example I can give. I unfortunately, had an incident at a mall. I was at a makeup section. I was just looking at makeup and someone came up to me and I obviously knew, like, they weren't going to have my color, because that's something I did research before, like, about makeup, hair care products, because at one point I did have hair. But just looking into all these things, so I was looking for mascara or something like that, and someone came over, one of the associates from the at, the at the store came over and was trying to color match me for makeup. Mind you, this color was, like, nowhere near my color, like, mm, like nowhere near. And it was kind of, like, very uncomfortable, but then it made me feel a bit worse because I saw them, like after it like happened like they're staring at me and like laughing at me and like all this stuff stuff like that and it just really like made me like you know really upset but i think even outside of that i then went to go confide in my fellow pro- the people that are in my program and other students and i told them what happened the people i was at the mall with and they just didn't get it like they were like oh like i'm sorry that happened but like maybe it was a misunderstanding and it's just like It felt, I mean, I don't want to, it just felt like very, like, you know, usually in those times and moments, if I had something like that happen in the States, I would have someone there that I can, like, confide in. But in that moment, it was like, I'm really out here by myself. Like, no one gets it, like, and it's for such a kind of, I would say, almost dehumanizing thing like that. It was just like, this is a lot. So I think kind of a packing, as I was already unpacking in the States of what it means to be Black and how I show up in the world those experiences in that context really was difficult. And the way I overcame it was connecting with friends and people back in the states when I could. I did confide in the incident with my program. I can't think of all the use like terms for people, but the person that was on the ground with me, I confided in her with what happened and just trying to find community and find some type of validation for those experiences. So yeah.
2: Finding community is so important, especially if you, if you are feeling isolated, which is part of the experience and it, and it helps you grow, so thank you for sharing that. Oren, same question to you. Can you talk about one of the most difficult aspects of your study abroad experience and how you overcame that? One of them
3: was, I am not keen on taking pictures of strangers. That's not really my thing and I don't really love that. So. <laughs> The frequent people sneaking pictures but forgetting to turn off their flash so you know they're taking pictures of you. And there was even an incident at the airport where this lady physically removed her laptop from her bag and was like going around to all the people in the group and they're like, want to take a selfie? I was like, no. So kind of getting more comfortable with saying no And knowing that i don't owe anyone an explanation beyond no was something i definitely had to get more comfortable with and like another instance that came to me while i was answering this was it doesn't necessarily have to do with my cultural identity but being a plus-size woman in a very petitely statured environment we were going to get fitted for saris and underneath the sorry, you have like this petticoat and I remember I needed the biggest size of petticoat and the man which I feel like kind of made it worse that was dealing with the petticoats he's like there's plenty of gyms here and like diet plans that you could get on to like lose the weight and I was like I'm not looking for that sir but thank you for your unsolicited advice and I just kind of moved on about the shop and I was far away from that desk as possible. And I didn't mention it to anyone until we left there because it was just one of those, like, like you were saying, I mean, like who can truly relate when no one really knows the experiences that you live every day, being who you are and just existing. So those were my two (laughs) difficult aspects, but beyond that, everything was great.
2: (laughs) Thank you for sharing. Oftentimes, when I reflect on who I was um, before I studied abroad and who I became after, I realize how much more empowered I felt as a Black person because of my experience abroad, and it just gave me so much more confidence to be myself, and more importantly, to be proud of the things I had done and motivated to accomplish more, and in, in, you know everything I would do. So, in light of that, my next question to all of you is: What did your study abroad experience teach you about yourself? And What type of personal growth did you experience? And I'm gonna let Cynthia answer that first.
4: Of course. So I would say that something I learned about myself was that I am 100% capable of being independent. And then another thing that I experienced and learned about myself was life doesn't have to be boring. And so if I had to elaborate more on being independent, I would say, when I was in Korea, I was supposed to be there for an entire year up until the pandemic started, but I was working jobs in Korea. And when I say working jobs, I was teaching children as young as like one English. I worked in an academy teaching English. I, I was still taking full-time course load. And one thing I learned was that I am capable of managing my own time. I'm capable of getting everything done that needs to be done. And especially when the pandemic started, I was in the case of, oh my gosh, I am in another country during a pandemic. Like what even is a pandemic? And so I had to kind of maneuver around that. And as far as life doesn't have to be boring, adding on to all of that stuff, I also joined kickboxing and I was preparing for a match in South Korea. Crazy, but that was something that I took up. And another thing that I did was hiking. I climbed a mountain in my city, something I had never done before. And all of those hobbies that I kind of gained while I was in South Korea, I brought them back here with me because I was like, life really doesn't have to be boring. And so here I am sitting in Colorado next to the Rocky Mountains, and I'm like loving it. Every day I go to work and I can see the mountains, and I feel like I start every day on a happy note, just by being able to see that. And that was definitely something that I brought from my experience in South Korea.
2: Thank you. Ami, same question to
5: you. So for me, I would have never thought that I could study abroad when like, like, I didn't even know what studying abroad was before I went abroad. I didn't like, just like the epitome of like, what is that? Like, I thought that was for like rich people or whatever the case may be like, I had no concept of myself ever studying abroad before I did. <clears throat> so, I feel like what my study abroad experience taught me the most, which I still hold today, is that I'm capable of more than I thought of. I'm capable of more than I even could perceive, because my perception never went to these places. Because, like I told y'all, like, you know, first person to leave the country, all these different things, like, that wasn't in my environment. People I knew were, like, talking about going on trips and stuff like that. So, when I look back at my study abroad experience and i look at like the things that i did as far as like i left for my program a week early because it was so much cheaper to go a week before instead of paying for the group flight so i'm saving like a thousand dollars but that's scary because my first time leaving the country i'm going by myself so when i'm sitting on that plane i'm like i never even thought i would be on this plane i never even thought i'd be doing this that's something i still hold today and i still show myself like you know, there's things that you can do that you don't even know that you can do yet. There's things that you can do that you can that you haven't even been able to show yourself yet. So I feel like that's the biggest lesson I've learned is like my perception of like what I'm capable of and what I can do is sometimes like even outside of my own knowledge and perception. Thank you. That that's so true. I that, that makes me feel so
2: much. Oren, same question to you. What did you what did you gain? What did you learn?
3: Um, mine definitely aligned with cynthia's and Amie's, but just how independent i could be and in that independence i kind of found strength and realized that for most things in life it literally only takes 30 seconds of bravery to just make that decision and stick with it and if you can believe it for 30 seconds it can be your reality so just kind of like living in that and also definitely knowing that just because life doesn't go according to your plan doesn't mean it still can't be fabulous beautiful just the best experience of your life because i know personally i'm a religious person and i mean god's plan honestly is it trumps everything we could possibly come up with ourselves so that's really what it showed me
2: thank you so at different points in our lives some parts of our identity become more to us and other parts of our identity identity become less important what was your experience with your black identity when you studied abroad? And Cynthia, you can answer this question.
4: Yeah, of course. So I definitely have one major experience that was new to me when I was in Korea as far as being black goes. So when I went to Korea right before I went like like peak summertime, let's say that. And I remember I had never had like bundles. So like weave, I've never I never had it in my hair as far as that goes. So I decided when I go to Korea this time, I'm going to have like the hair of like the kind of hair they have. So I decided I was going to get bundles and they were curly. And I went to Korea and I remember it was just so hot. That did not go well. That was just a horrible decision. And when I finally took that hair out, I remember that I was transitioning for about, let's say, like eight months already. And so when i took the hair out i remember i could not manipulate my natural hair at all i had relaxed hair my entire life so i wasn't familiar with how my hair had grown out of my head and it was really hard being in korea a place that doesn't have support there's no black hair hair stores there's barely anywhere to get your hair done if you're not near an army base and as far as being black goes that was definitely my um, biggest struggle and i remember going into the bathroom and just saying, I can't do this. And so I cut it all off in my dorm room. And so that was the ending of my transition phase. And I went completely natural while in South Korea. And I remember calling my friend after I cut it all off. And I started crying because after it dried up, I was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And it was so short and... I didn't think I was beautiful at all. You know, My mom wasn't there, my friends weren't there to just be like, you look fine, here's what you have to do. And so when I called my friend, she was just like, you need conditioner and you need water, put it in your hair and twist it up. And so it took me about five hours, but that's what I did. And I remember the next day when I took it all out, I was like, wow, this is my hair and I've never seen it look like this before. And so for me to be black and then have that Afro, I was like, wow, okay. So, I kind of felt empowered, and it was amazing to kind of get that in South Korea, where I was probably the only Black person for miles at any given time. So, yeah. And then, as far as identity is concerned, a little bit more. When I went to Korea, I considered myself to be straight, but definitely after I left Korea, I ended up gaining a girlfriend, and we have been together now for two years, and I'm still with her, and I think she's here right now. And so, that has definitely become a big part. Um, of my identity and that has definitely been a learning experience now that I've been back to South Korea I'm like experiencing it like what is it like to be part of the LGBTQ while you're abroad so that was definitely something that I also gained while in the USAC program.
2: <laughs> Thank you for sharing I, I can totally relate my straightener exploded in the French sockets the first week and that started me not straightening my hair anymore so I can relate to that. Oren can you answer that question too please?
3: I've been in a lot of situations where, you know, you look around the room and you kind of have that setting and like, oh, I'm the only person that looks like me here. And I feel like I don't know why going into it, I thought, you know, since I'd be surrounded by other brown people, I would just like blend in with everyone like it'd be fine. Like no one would notice I'm here. I'm just hanging out. But that wasn't necessarily the case. (laughs) And it wasn't a rude awakening but it was definitely an adjustment because I didn't think I would feel the way that I felt before in some of those situations where like all eyes are still on me because you know I can only speak from personal experience but I feel like other people feel like this as well when you walk into a room and you're literally the only one you kind of feel like you represent your entire community of people (laughs) whether you chose to do that or not and just kind of coming to peace with the fact that that was kind of gonna follow me <laughs> into my study abroad program definitely was one thing i kind of had to become easy about i guess is the best way to put it
2: thank you for sharing and Ami, if you could answer as too answer that question too please can you talk about other parts of your identity that became more or less important to you through your studies abroad through your
5: international travels Definitely studying abroad. I'm going to talk about the blackness, but I think other parts of my identity also being plus size definitely came into account. I can definitely um, relate to what everyone was talking about, like going and find clothes and not finding clothes that fit me and like all these different things. Also being a low income student definitely was shown to me and came very important to me when I was studying abroad. Seeing folks like having just funds to just you know, take trips to the next country over and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I did travel and did get to see stuff in Thailand, but I was like, I was only there because I had a grant, you know what I mean? Like I was only there because I had loans. So really having to see those disparities and like how that kind of equates into your experience abroad, I think really. Also, I want to say Cynthia, you know, I wish I had the level of awareness that like, if I like, I feel like a part of me knew I was in the closet back then, but I had no type of idea of like understanding that, like identifying as queer and stuff like that. And also, coming out as now being out as queer and trans, I think that has become very important to my identity. Thank you for sharing,
2: all all three of you. That was really, really meaningful, thank you. So
5: these next set of questions now are
2: gonna shift to the return once you came back from your study abroad. And so the first question is to you, Cynthia, what long-term effects has your study abroad experience had on your worldview?
4: Yeah, so I definitely had one big change in my mindset. I would say before I went to Korea for an entire year, I kind of had this mindset that like life in America was just crap. You know, healthcare is bad, it's very expensive, college is expensive, and when I went abroad, it kind of just felt like I was in paradise like people here don't have these problems. I'm here, I can go sing in a karaoke bar or something or just eat really good food for cheap. And I remember just thinking, I cannot do all of this stuff back home. And so after spending a year in Korea, after being there for that beginning of the pandemic when it started, I kind of had like that, that mindset that I had changed a hundred percent. And it was just like, there are mean people everywhere there are rude people everywhere. There are people who are struggling everywhere. And as far as worldview is concerned, I definitely took it upon myself after coming back to kind of do more research into how things really are in the countries that I'm visiting and to be more outspoken and aware of what's really going on. So, for example, in Korea, there is a situation of like male order brides and stuff like that. And so, I was very particular about speaking out about the women who came from Southeast Asia being in Korea and having a hard time. You know, these days, Korea has a lot of attention and it's all about Korean movies, K-pop and all of that stuff. And I just think it's extremely important now to just be like, Korea has problems as well. And it's important to point those out because if we don't, you know, who will? And so that's definitely something that I took away from my study abroad experience.
2: Thank you. And Lauren, same question to you. What long-term effects has your study abroad experience had on your worldview? view?
3: It's, it's easier to look at your home country from the outside looking in and see all the problems and things that you deal with on an everyday basis and I just think it was so interesting to have heard a lot of the perceptions because like I said I didn't do a deep dive into what I was going into. I just kind of walked in. I was like, this is what it is. It'll be fine. But just like hearing a lot of the perceptions that people had before I left, I was like, okay, why are you sharing this with me? Like they, they weren't in such a positive light. And I, I just felt like that was so misconstrued, especially seeing how beautiful India is from like the natural aspects and how affluent it is as well. Like people just don't talk about the good in a lot of countries. So it was just interesting coming back and having that perspective and just really hunkering down on the idea that you can't take other people's perspectives as the truth. You kind of have to experience everything in every span of life for yourself before you make a judgment on it or about it. And also it taught me that I can survive anywhere by myself. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska now. I mean, (laughs) I'd rather be in India than here. So just that I can thrive anywhere as long as I take it for what it is and don't come in with any sort of like negative or positive expectations of what's to come.
2: Thank you, Ami. If you could go back and do it all again, what would you have done differently, if anything?
5: So when I first saw this question, I'm like I would do nothing different. I will do everything. No, but one thing I would do differently is like <clears throat> I wish I knew more resources, and I wish I knew just how impactful it was for me to go abroad as a black first-gen low-income low-income person. Like I feel like I didn't truly understand like how big that was, because now, like, that I'm in the travel space and seeing, you know, how things are so underrepresented and stuff like that, like, my story, my journey was, you know, important, and I feel like I would have really patted myself on the back a lot more and really have given myself a lot more grace in those moments of struggle and navigating stuff, because not only was I kind of, like, threading something from, like, a new thing that I didn't have any type of, like, I didn't have someone I could be, like, okay, like, I know you I know like who you are like please tell me like what I need to expect I kind of had to just go out and do it on my own and I think I really wish I would have known like I don't know like how beautiful and dope that was and that also would have pushed me to maybe seek some more resources for funding and finding more grants and stuff like that because I think it was important for me to be able to have more resources to financially support me be able to really really like go out there and like live my best life.
2: (laughs) I want to be mindful of time and make sure we're able to open up the floor to our audience to ask questions. So I'll ask one last question and then each of you can answer. So starting with you, Cynthia, what's one final piece of advice that you would like to offer to students of color who are considering a study abroad experience?
4: So I would definitely say don't be afraid to reach out to people who've done what you are wanting to do. I get a lot of DMs from Black people who want to study abroad and just go to like hashtags on Instagram and see that I'm Black and see me sitting there. They ask a lot of questions and I know it can be crazy because sometimes when you go to informational meetings and stuff you're the only Black person in the room and you're like I don't really want to ask this question so don't be afraid to just reach out to people who've done what you want to do because a lot of times we're so excited to just think about those moments that we've spent abroad
2: again. (laughs) And Oren, same question to you. I would definitely
3: just say lean into those 30 seconds of bravery and just do it. Because if you are willing to make the most of your experience, it'll be one of the most beautiful experiences you'll have in your life. And you'll just wanna go back (laughs) from that point forward. So just definitely lean into that and just do it like Nike said.
2: Thank you. And Ami, what's one final piece of advice that you would um, offer to students who are considering a study abroad experience?
5: Okay. okay, I have a couple with them quick. number one, I say stand in your power. you just dis- you deserve like anyone else to, to live abroad to experience life abroad. just because these spaces are not built for us necessarily doesn't mean you don't not des- you don't deserve to be in them. Also if you don't have community in your program, find it in other places create community as much as you can and also learn to be okay like at least for me learn to be okay if your pa- if your family doesn't understand and support you and talk about this on my channel a lot, like that fear about like people don't understand it, like this was your path, it was given to you. It wasn't given to them. So maybe they might not understand it, but that's okay, because it wasn't given to them. It's only meant for you to understand and for you to stand in that and be okay with moving forward with that. Thank you. And
2: thank you to all the panelists for such an honest and meaningful discussion. At this time, Amber will turn on the microphone and video settings for all of our guests here. Um, and so we welcome questions from the audience.
1: The first one, what advice would you give professionals in education abroad to recruit more students of color on study abroad programs? Okay, let me get in there. Okay. Uh,
5: <laughs> okay. So this is going to sound bad and this is going to sound good. So I would say first and foremost, I feel like I just want to say to professionals in education and like stuff like that. To stop recruiting students to study abroad if you're not willing to create support, resources and spaces for them to thrive. I feel like I see so many times there's this push to get more diversity, but then there's not really a a thought of like, how are we going to care for this diversity once they're here? So I think there also needs to be a push to create more safety and support once those folks actually get there. And as far as recruiting, I feel like once you create those spaces, they'll naturally be attracted to it's like, oh, like I see myself in this. Because there are these spaces of support so I feel like
2: that's kind of the first step to like kind of get people a day. Thank you um, Cynthia Or Oren, do you want to take a stab at that question?
4: I would just say maybe when it comes in the beginning maybe when we're like trying to recruit students to do this maybe have spaces that are solely for black people and people of color because the type of information that we're looking for isn't going to be the same kind of information that people who aren't Black and people of color are looking for, especially like monetary wise. You know, we always assume that studying abroad is expensive. I'm Black. I I don't go abroad. That's not something that we do. But in reality, like I said, for me, it was way cheaper than studying here. And had a lot of other students known that, I think a lot more people would be interested in going abroad.
2: Thank you. Another question I'm seeing on here. What support or resources do you feel would have been helpful for you as a person of color prior to your study abroad?
4: So for this question, I would say that this summer I actually participated in a program, a U.S. Department of State program that also sent me to South Korea. And after the program, they kind of reached out saying they wanted to create resources, something similar to what Ami was just talking about. And I would just say some of the advice that I gave them was compile lists of resources that are in country and when i say in country like if the programs in seoul don't give them resources that are in busan because it would be useless you know so if you have a program in guangzhou maybe put together a list of black hair resources in guangzhou maybe have resources in guangzhou who are black and have been there for a year or two or even longer that can help students when they run into problems that are usually cultural Something like that would definitely help Black people. Definitely.
2: Those are, those are
5: great examples. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Go ahead, Ami. All right, I got a list. All right. I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm not kidding. But so I think what um, Cindy was saying, I think a guide on what to expect from different places. So like, will I be able to find hair care products and stuff like that she was talking about? Like, how does this place view Black people, queer people, disabled people? Like, what is the perception there? <clears throat> I think... YouTube videos of that place and like what people's experiences are about that. If there's Facebook groups, if there's alumni who share the identities, but also not only just that, but what struggles did they face when they were there? Because I think that's important. Mental health support, whether that's someone that can like offer support, stuff like that. And really at its core, I think the biggest thing is like more validation and visibility of our struggles. Like, I don't know what I would have gave if I would have had someone to just tell me that what I'm feeling and navigating is real and it's seen and it's valid. Like, I feel like that would have been a game changer because it can be very gaslighting when you're in the situation and no one else gets it. And people are kind of like, oh, it's not that big of a deal when it's like, I came back and be like, oh, that was wild. It's like, I wish I would have known someone would have told me that in the moment. So those are my little five cents. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Kind of on the topic and subject of resources. Which resources did you find most useful that focused on identity abroad?
4: I would just like to say that it's funny that there's silence there after that question. Honestly, I'm gonna be honest and just say there wasn't that many resources about identity. For me, because I'm used to traveling, because I'm used to going to Korea and being in certain situations, I was aware aware of what I needed to do to find the resources that I needed. And in that case, I would say Facebook helps a lot. I know a lot of young people don't use Facebook. but when you go to other countries and they will use Facebook, <laughs> and, a, and a lot of times your best Black resources will be people who are way older than you anyway. And so they will be using Facebook. And so for me, to find someone to do my hair, to find someone to buy hair products, to just find someone to talk to about being Black in Korea, I went through Facebook groups and that was, that was the best I could get. It would be nice if programs would have a compiled list of those resources already but a lot of times they don't and so like I said for me I'm used to it I know what I have to do but I could only imagine a student who isn't used to that and you know kind of goes in blind and doesn't have that information readily available.
5: I would say I agree there wasn't really any resources but I really want to mirror like what Cynthia said as far as like finding like those resources Facebook groups Definitely would suggest. I do know now of a resource is called the Expat app, X P A T and it's specifically for digital nomads, people that live abroad and study abroad. And it's just basically a place you can meet black expats and people like that. So even if I would have had that and would have be like, Y'all, I'm in the middle of insert random country. Is anyone else here? Someone like have lunch with me or something. I'm I'm losing it, or whatever the case may be. I think like Cynthia said, like it's hard because I mean I was one of those people. Like I was in that situation. I didn't have anything, so I was kind of scrambling together. But if I had that, it probably would have made things easier. And leaning on those resources would have made it uh,
4: better. I would say, do not trust YouTube videos. They're just views. A lot of times, people are like, oh, black in Korea, black in France, black in this place. They just want views. If they just just don't do it, don't trust YouTube. Okay. Stop. I'm not
5: Shears are bleeding <laughs> thank i'm a youtuber oh. i promise i'm honest y'all i promise <laughs> i would have to
3: co-sign everything that's been said just because when i was packing and i think it's funny now because i look back at the first picture we took when we got there from the airport and i had these two gigantic suitcases in my carry-ons as well because i kind of came with the intention that i'm not gonna find anything i need or that i'm used to here so i just kind of Came with that notion in mind, so I think having resources would have helped me in packing. <laughs> not that I necessarily found anything there, but you know, just you know, prior to arriving, if there are resources that would have been helpful. And yeah, YouTube was not my friend either because it's cool and all when people are there just for like a trip. No, no shade, but I'm like it's cool when people are there for like vacation. But I remember like we had a tour prior to us starting. schooling and when it really hit me was when I was in my little dorm room and I was like whoa I'm gonna be here for four months those people on YouTube were here for maybe two weeks and it's just it's it's a different it's a different life just put it that way so yeah
5: just I mean I mean the YouTube slander I think is definitely valid because I've watched some videos and I'm like this is nothing like anything but I definitely would say like Sometimes you gotta dig deep to find the people that are really out here talking about real stuff because that's part of the reason I made a YouTube channel because I was looking for people that were moving abroad. I was looking for like people that look like me to hold my identities and couldn't find it. So that's part of the reason I made a channel because I wanted to create real, vulnerable, transparent situations like, so I definitely want to hold exactly what they're saying, which is real because there are people out here just trying to get views and are not in there for the right reason. And I also have found channels that are really embedded in transparency and realness that really help me as
1: a traveler myself when I'm going to a new place. Thank you, Ami, for mentioning that you're building that as a resource. I really appreciate that. And wanted to point out too, at the very beginning of the webinar in the chat, I don't know if you saw, but I did post up USAC's resources that we are constantly adding to. So thank you again for all of your input today. I know we're going to be updating that continually. So I really do appreciate that. Just in the essence of time, I wanted to do a a quick wrap up if we could and do a, a brief recap of sort of what we heard today. So in addition to finding those resources, I heard you all say things like Skill building was incredibly important. Gaining independence, time management, language learning, really leaning into your community and tapping into locals. Incredibly important. Cynthia, I heard you say that, right? Like your first time abroad, maybe you kept yourself a little bit more, but then you really opened up on your next opportunity. So I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. I also jotted down some of my favorite quotes throughout this panel based on sort of developing a new mindset. So things like really working to be more outspoken and aware of what's going on in the countries that you're visiting. Life doesn't have to be boring to take your newfound hobbies and interests that you gain abroad and bring those home with you. I heard Oren say getting comfortable with saying no and leaning into those 30 seconds of bravery. I heard Ami say stand in your power and find your own path. So thank you all for those contributions. Incredible discussion today. And if I could, to end, I would just like to highlight a couple of upcoming USAC opportunities. So from February 28th through March 4th, we'll be celebrating USAC week. So during this week, our team will have some fantastic opportunities for you to engage and learn more about studying abroad through USAC, including several program highlight sessions that'll feature Haifa, Israel, Gold Coast, Australia, Lisbon, Portugal, which is our newest USAC program and also a joint presentation on our programs in Bengaluru, India, and Konkin, Thailand, which are both opening for the first time since spring 2020 and are incredibly affordable and impactful. Additional USAC Week offerings will include another USAC alumni panel, where panelists will discuss their inspiring global education journeys, and info sessions on the benefits of a homestay, housing option while abroad, choosing a program based on your identity, and making study abroad affordable with a focus on saving for your experience and of course scholarships. We'll also be hosting a virtual open house specifically tailored for prospective students and university partners. And I feel like an infomercial, but wait, there's more. We're giving away flight vouchers. So that'll be from our friends and partners at Frosh. And that'll be for participating in our Passport Scavenger Hunt Contest during USAC week. So, especially to the students who are um, listening today if you especially are considering summer 2022 i recommend you run don't walk to check out those details for USAC week and one last opportunity i wanted to share that our next panel discussion will take place on wednesday march 16th um, to commemorate international women's day USAC is hosting a live panel discussion that showcases the global leadership experiences of inspiring women. So we'd like to invite you to join Laura Rostafowski riley from USAC and also Juliana Aguiar, USAC alumna and current master's student pursuing international management in Lisbon, Portugal for an in-depth conversation about their professional journeys. So please be on the lookout for that registration link via email, and um, it will also be posted to USAC's social media. So everyone with that, thank you again. Um, We appreciate you all joining today and can't wait to see you at more events throughout our 40th anniversary year. We'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Students Beyond Borders podcast. If you have questions about USAC Study Abroad or would like to suggest an episode topic, email us at studyabroad@usac.edu. at usac.edu. You can also send us a DM on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok at studyabroadusac. To explore program offerings, scholarships, and more, visit our website at usac.edu.